Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? The thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like Jesus than we found it. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making God known through their unique calling. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. Today, I am so excited to have my husband, Dustin, on the show with me to talk about leading a church through 2020. Man, this has been a crazy year for all of us and especially a crazy year for pastors. And so I'm excited for him to share with you some of the things that he's encountered and how he has led through this season and just how you can pray for your pastor during this time and really always. So let me introduce you to my husband, Dustin. Okay, guys, I am so excited to have my husband on the show today to talk about how to pray for your pastor. So some of you may already know that this month, the month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And last Sunday, a few days back, was typically the day that we celebrate Pastor Appreciation Month. And so I thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring him on to just share more of his story and our story and just goodness, some of the challenges that we face throughout this year. And so I would love for you to start out by just talking a little bit about your story, how God called you into ministry, all the things. Sure. I usually, when anyone asks, I, um, I back up to, um, just my upbringing, I guess, uh, when I was small, I can, I can think back and I can't really remember any time when we were not in church on Sundays and uh, grew up in a, a very loving family, a family that believed in prayer, a family that loved to go to church. And I suppose it was sometime in college. Uh, I was an English major and I just sensed that God had a call on my life and I had some opportunities to to preach and um, kind of substitute preach for our pastor on some Sunday evenings and, and teach a couple of things on Wednesday evenings at times. And to be generous, it was rough. It was really, really rough, embarrassingly so, thinking back on it. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I finished out my degree in English. And I began teaching. And so I was uh, teaching English. I I taught Latin. Um, I taught drama a little here and there. And and I was basically the, this guy who would pick up whatever needed to be taught. And it was, uh, I, I suppose it was in my, in my teaching career when I was teaching in Tennessee that I just really had this growing sense that God had a had a move ahead. God had some sort of change ahead. And so I, I prayed about it. And for about a year or so, I just really 
wrestled with that, uh, where God wanted me, how God wanted me to serve him. And um, one thing led to another. Uh, one of the, the the church that I was attending, one of the uh, one of the pastors there on staff asked me if I would be willing to come on and volunteer with him in his ministry and counseling ministry. And I did that for a year. And then he asked if I would come on part-time as an intern. And, and I did that. And then uh, after that, I was asked to come on full-time uh, there at the church. And so I, I served there at the church uh, for a number of years, for, for 10 years or so. I, um, I served there and uh, I had all sorts of hats that I wore. And one of the one of the guys on staff there at that church moved here to Mississippi to become the lead pastor at a church here in, uh, in this town. And uh, after a few years, he asked if I would come down and I would serve on staff with him. And after praying about that, I moved down. And then he was called to go to another church here in the state to serve as lead pastor. And so I ended up being the interim pastor at our current church. And then uh, through lots of prayer and lots of uh, seeking wise counsel, um, I put my name in uh, as one of the candidates for lead pastor. And uh, I became the lead pastor of our church uh, three years ago or so. And so um, that's that's kind of it's a convoluted path, but that's the that's the path that God led me on to get where we are now. Yeah. Well, and what some people may not know is the church that you started at is actually how we met. So mm-hmm. that's a fun fact as well. So I was teaching a Sunday school class in a ministry that you were kind of overseeing your children's pastor, I guess, at the time. Right. Right. And that's where we met, which is such a fun story because we didn't date at the time. You moved away. We reconnected mm-hmm. years later. Uh, most of you know that that we're down in the deep south now here in Mississippi. Um, but I love that we met during that season. And, and now years later, we're serving together here. And so, you know, as you took the lead pastor role here, what I could imagine that you maybe didn't foresee is leading through 2020 through a global pandemic. No. So I'd love for you to just take listeners behind the curtain for a few minutes of what has it been like to lead a church through 2020 through a global pandemic this year? Well, and I, I know we all, I know every individual and every family and every organization has experienced 2020 in some pretty personalized ways, I suppose. And, and there are some shared experiences I know as well. Um, but as the pastor of a church, what I've experienced, and, and I know you've been right there in the middle of it with me through that, I'm um, also... Um, want to mention some things uh, along the way in just a moment that some other pastors for some, from some other churches have mentioned to me. But uh, for me, in our context, it was a moment where it became pretty clear very quickly that that was going to be, or 2020 was going to be a very 
serious test of leadership. You know, things happen so quickly because where we were, we were all systems go in-person meeting, all activities as normal. Everything was was moving along and I remember we were at a we were at a cookout there at the church and we were there with a Sunday school class. Mm, yeah. And in fact, when I I pulled up into the parking lot, one of our leaders walked over and he said, the governor is asking that churches suspend in-person services or keep the number of people in the room to a, under a certain amount. And uh, he said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, I have not heard this announcement. Let me go to my office. And so while everyone's at the cookout, I went to my office and called a few people, checked on some some facts and um, not that I doubted what he was saying. I just, I just wanted to get as many facts as I could to make that decision. And then I made the call that we, we needed to suspend in-person services and resort to, uh, online, um, online services and online activities. And, and the good part was, uh, about three weeks earlier, I had sat down with the staff and we had, We'd come together, sort of an emergency staff meeting, and I laid out potential scenarios and and just said, these are the things that we will probably be able to expect if it reaches pandemic state. Mm -hmm. And so we had the entire staff work out a plan for each of their individual ministries as to how to continue as seamlessly as possible with everything they were doing, but to switch as much uh, to switch it all over essentially to an online experience. And so we had, we had people learning how to use zoom. We had people uh, learning how to use Instagram live. We had all sorts of uh, people on staff resorting to all manner of technology they had never used before. And so some of some of them were very well versed with it. Some of them had to had to adopt some new technology, but they had that in their back pocket. And I, we had a, a plan that we wrote out. We laid everything out. I had presented it to the church earlier and told them in the event that we did have a pandemic type situation that we would resort to this plan. And that, that plan was subject to change depending upon changing circumstances and because everything was so fluid. And uh, there was a little pushback from two or three people saying that, you know, they didn't, they didn't think that that was a good idea because what if that made people panic? And I just said, you know, um, this is, this is one of these situations where, to have a plan should create a, a great sense of comfort and not create panic. Mm, yeah. And and when that time came that we we had to make that quick switch, uh, the staff and and the church as a whole shifted into that. You know, it was basically kind of a war footing mindset. Just shifted right into it and. It went as smoothly, I think, as as it could have gone, and uh, we went into that that online experience. and 
And I've talked to some other pastors. Some of them have said that they stepped into that type of experience very easily. Some struggled with that. There were some, there were some different struggles that some of them had. Um, I actually, we were able to talk with some other churches and I'm not saying we did everything right. I'm not saying, I mean, what it's, we use, we kick around that term unprecedented so much with regard to 2020. Um, so, uh, you know, there is no textbook example of this is how you do ministry in a pandemic. So that's not something they, they taught in seminary. Uh, they probably will now <laughs> there probably will be a <laughs> pandemic one Oh one class or something now, but that's not something that they teach. And whenever people talk about uh, crisis leadership, usually that is uh, a death in the family or um, some other community tragedy, but all the principles remain the same, except it's just a much larger crisis and, and a much longer crisis. Usually crisis leadership situations, you, they're punctuated. They, they're for a short time, they're very intense, and then they subside. And this has been more of a, of a long, drawn-out endurance-type uh, event. But it has, been, it has not been without uh, frustrations at moments. Um, much of those, much of the frustration probably, I would say, stems from, uh, the uncertainty mm -hmm. and, um, just trying to, to create some degree of a new routine. Uh, that was one of the things that we, we tried to do in our, our differing ministries at the church was to create a, a new routine with as much structure and consistency as we could and, and to get into that as quickly as we could. So um, once we stepped into it, not a lot of things evolved during that time because we, we had our plan. So we stepped, we stepped right into that plan and made that the norm. Mm, yeah. And, and that gave because we didn't know when we would be back together. So we just, we just basically said, this is the norm and let's embrace it. Mm -hmm. And, and that sense of consistency, I think it, it helped a lot because even though there were so many things that were uncertain, when will we be back and when will this happen? And what can we expect here? Well, we don't know, but we do know that we can expect these things every week, same time, these are the things we will be doing with our online experiences. And we invite you to join us. Mm -hmm. So it's been, it's been, uh, it's been a, a incredible time of learning. Um, just an incredible time of, of learning and growing together as a staff. And, um, but um, yeah, challenging. Yeah. And I think another challenging piece to that, which I love that you bring that out is, you know, I think in March or April, none of us imagined that in October we would <laughs> be seeing these resurgences of the virus or things pop up that, you know, we've had to, you know, maybe alter course, you know, a few times. And I think one thing that I've loved that you've done is, is it's 
sort of, okay, here's our game plan until further notice, until we know what's next, mm, yeah, you know? Yeah. And we've had to do that a lot. And I think we've all been in this state of maybe sometimes saying, well, soon, you know, we'll go back to X, Y, or Z, mm. or, you know, maybe in a few weeks it'll look like X, Y, or Z, but there's just been a lot of times this year that it's just been this, okay, well, here's our game plan for now <laughs> right? until we know something right. else. And so, and, and one of the things that, one of the things that we've tried to do is we've tried to, and, and granted we could not give a hard and fast date yeah, because I had I had a couple of people and great people. I, I'm, I don't mean anything negative about this, but great people, but very Type A and very organizationally minded. Mm, yeah. And you know, and they they wanted to know what's the date, <laughs> yeah. like when? Can, what is the date we will be back together? Well, I don't know that, but we have a plan that will go until this date. And if we need to extend that plan beyond that date, we will. But our plan is in place until this particular date. And actually had the staff, some of the members of the staff said, do you really believe that that is the day? I think it was May. I think think it was something like Mm -hmm. May 15th or something, yeah. if I remember correctly. And and we said, we have this plan or May 20th or somewhere around there, but we have this plan in place until May, whatever. We hope we don't have to go that long, but we have it in place if we need to have it in place. And I had a couple of staff members say, do you really think it's going to be over May? And I said, oh, absolutely not. I said, but if we say, oh, well, this plan is in place until August the 15th, you know, people would, there would be a sense of despair and, and granted I was praying that it would be done by May, but I was really thinking it's probably not. And so once we reached that point, we just said, listen, we, we said that it could be extended. And so we're, we will extend it. And, uh, but we've tried to do it in more Mm bite-size increments and I said earlier that, that the way we did things didn't evolve. Uh, the 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 essentials of what we did really didn't evolve. We didn't we didn't add a lot of new things or subtract a lot of things that we normally did. Uh, but one of the things we did do, uh, we we tried to communicate even more. I did a um, ninety days of prayer for our church. And so every day for 90 days, they received a, uh, a devotional and I had some prayer points along with that and some scripture references. And so, uh, it was, and you know, this, that was, it was some days, some days I'm sitting there saying, what am I going to write about today? (laughs) You know, but, um, but that was, that was one way I wanted to keep as many people in that loop and also to just walk through with them, all of us together, praying for the same things, reading the same thing and and just sort of aligning our thoughts and our hearts around some central truths of scripture. 
And I, I, I think that helped from listen, listening to some people talk. I think that for those who, who read the emails, I think that, um, and you got that, you know, actually kind of went into that daily devotional. I think that really, um, that really helped mm-hmm. to, to do that. And, and we sort of, we continue to, uh, I hate to use the word feel, but we, we did continue to have that feel of being a family and, yeah. and gathering though we were scattered. Yeah. And yeah. I think another thing that you did that I'd love for you to share is just driving home the point that the purpose of the church never changed. Mm, right. So I love how, even in your communication, you really pointed our church back to our core values and what we're about period always. Sure. And so talk about that a little bit. Well, one of the things that, that we had mentioned before the pandemic and sometimes we say it and people, you know, we will nod at the idea, but it became much more apparent during the pandemic when we didn't have the freedom to, um, to just, you know, out of the sense of safety, I'm saying to, to just gather all together, um, in a room. And with that, one of the things that I I kept saying is church is who we are. It is, it is not where we go. And so church not being a, a location, but church being our identity as God's people, as his bride. And so with that in mind, then that means, okay, we're, we're still the church, even though we're scattered, we're, we're still the church. And even though we're, we're meeting online, we're still the church that hasn't changed. And so, uh, that was a, that was one of those truths that, you know, we call people to embrace and understand absolutely. We wanted to gather together. Absolutely. We wanted to be, uh, together as a group. We wanted to meet as a faith family, but at the same time, we understood during this time, we had to experience that a little differently than normal. Yeah. Well, and this season is certainly not over, (laughs) which again, we wouldn't have imagined in March or April that we would still be, you know, talking through game plans for the rest of the year and what that's going to look like. But what do you think have been some unique challenges that you believe the church in America has faced and, as we know, are continuing to face throughout this time? I think think one thing. And I won't, I won't say, I won't say this is the major thing. These are in no particular order. I think that one thing that the church in America is, is coming to a realization of is the, the widespread consumer Christianity that exists within our church. And uh, and I say the church, I'm talking about the American church. Once you start stripping away the the ability to show up and and be a warm body on a seat that enjoys the quote unquote show once you remove that and it gets down to all right we have to put this into practice it gets much more serious and it's and one of the phrases that I've used often through this season 
has has been this has been revealing. Yeah. It's really revealed where our hearts are. It's revealed probably some major issues within the American church so far as consumerism is concerned. It's also, I know it's posed a challenge to many churches that have been unwilling to adapt in the past, Mm. whether that's technology or whether that's different ways to reach out, different ways to do ministry, the standard, they have to be in the room at a particular time. And this is what constitutes church. You know, if you, you, you need to be there on Sunday morning, we have to have Sunday school. We have to have, we do Sunday night. We, we maybe do midweek Bible study, but if we don't have those, then that does not equal church. Well, we're in a situation where for a time churches have not been able to do those. And so I think some churches have been, have struggled through that if they've been unwilling to adapt, you know, the, the whole idea of the mission does not change. The message does not change, but there are some methods that do change. Some methods don't, uh, the, you know, we, we, we understand the method of, of preaching. For instance, I was talking to some guys in my small group this morning, the, the method of preaching is ultimately the umbrella is we, we preach faithfully. We preach God's word and his Holy spirit does the work. I mean, he, he does the heavy lifting, right? Yeah. Uh, not, not us, not our own cleverness, not our creativity, not our, our winsomeness or anything else. Uh, but at the same time, there are some methods that we can adopt and adapt to use in those situations. And I, and I think that's one of the things that a couple of the things that the church in America has, has faced during this time. Yeah. The title of this episode is called how to pray for your pastor. And again, this is pastor appreciation month. And I'd love for you to share with listeners, you know, if a church member comes up to you and asks, Hey, how can I pray for you hmm. in this season or even, you know, in general before this season, how would you answer that question? And then how would you encourage the church at large to support and pray for their pastor? Before the pandemic, if someone asked me that question, I, I have one answer that is my, my normal answer. And it's been the one answer that I have given for years now. And that is if, if you would pray for me that God would grant me wisdom and you you go back to James and if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. And the Bible says that God gives liberally and he gives without reproach. He, he gives wisdom abundantly. He gives it freely. And he, he never, there's, there's never any uh, negativity that comes with you asking for wisdom. And, and, and I love the, the old Jewish idea of wisdom that's to live with skill. And so uh, I've always asked for that. And that's one thing that during this season, 
not only do pastors need that on a day-to-day basis, before the pandemic and after the pandemic passes and, and life returns to whatever that new normal is, we're still going to need wisdom. One of the things that I think most people don't realize is the the decision-making process that pastors or members of church staffs must go through on a, on a day-to-day basis. And there are some hard decisions that need to be made. There are some fairly easy decisions that need to be made, but, but there, and during this season, there have been some very difficult calls that have needed to be made in, in the midst of the situation in such a fluid situation and wisdom is needed. And this is, those are the situations where, um, whereas Maybe in some churches, there's this idea of any decision must be brought in front of the entire church and everybody must discuss this and everybody must buy into this. And then everybody votes on it as to what the best course of action is. And during 2020, that's, in I would say, in most churches, that is, that's just not the way that you can operate because it, it is so fluid. Everything's changing so much. So I think praying for your pastor's wisdom, praying that he would be able to rightly apply that and, and lead the church well during whatever season, whether it's a crisis season or whether it's a season where everything is going great. And uh, especially in in 2020, I would say also endurance, to pray for your pastor's endurance, that uh, he would endure. Uh, one thing, um, and, and again, I, w- I want to be careful um, to reiterate, the, our, the, the people at our church, they have been so great during this season. They, they really have, they have, they have risen to the occasion. They have, they have stayed strong. They have just, they've continued, they've adapted. And, and, you know, there were, there are some people, a very, very small number that, you know, change, change impacts them in a very, a very strong way. And, and they have a very hard time with change, as it is in any place. But as a pastor, we receive a lot of advice. <laughs> and, and one of the things that you find is, you know, I, I, I talk to one individual. I'll, I'll use this as an example. I had an individual contact me and say, I think this is what we should be doing. And, and it wasn't a fully formed plan. It was, it was basically a preference. I think we should be doing this. And I said, well, thank you for sharing that. But uh, there are some details that actually uh, uh, quite a few details that you aren't aware of regarding this. Yeah. And so um, this is why we're doing this, that we're choosing this other route. 
And there's just this other course of action, and that's how we're going to approach it because there are a number of things that we as the staff understand and that we're having to approach in this way. And then then I tried to explain that. There's also just the emotional component where you need endurance just because you're leading and just the the stress of, of knowing that you are leading a group of people. And I know some people would immediately interject, yes, but God is really the one leading it and you have to depend upon God. And But relying upon God does does not mean that that removes your responsibility as a leader. Um, So so with that comes a degree of there's a there's a endurance of criticism and negativity. There's an endurance of the emotional load of that. And also there's just the just physical endurance. This has been. A, um, a tiring time. Uh, I had a staff member. She mentioned to me, I guess it was maybe two months into this whole online experience. She said, how is it that no members are here at the church? And how is it that we're not distracted by all of these other things yet it feels like we are doing two to three times the amount of work mm. that we were doing beforehand. And, and part of that was due to, um, you know, a lack of volunteers there with an in-person meeting. And so some would say, yes, but if you did online, that means you don't need as many. That's true, but you are now, spending more time doing other things. Uh, I being formerly a teacher, I I sort of related to some of uh, the people in the education system within the church. I said, it's sort of like you preparing for a substitute teacher to come. The amount that a teacher must do to prepare to uh, have everything the class continue as normal for a substitute teacher is far more involved than just showing up and teaching yourself, even though that is plenty involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, preparing for a substitute knowingly. I don't mean I'm sick, so we must go to the emergency substitute plan that we have. I- I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, a longer term substitute type situation that takes a great deal of time. So uh, I would say wisdom. I would say endurance And I would also say, pray that your pastor would practice and also receive grace. Mm. If there's one thing on the negative side that I would say 2020 has shown, I, I think as a nation and also within churches, there has been a very glaring absence of grace. Yeah. We have, uh, it's been, again, that phrase, it has been revealing. It's been a very revealing season. And 2020 did not create gracelessness in our nation. Mm. We were already graceless. We just weren't 
we were not put to uh, the test or we did not have enough pressure applied to actually see that gracelessness rise to the surface. And I believe that's what's happened. And I, I believe that, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know anybody's particular context so far as your listeners. Uh, but can I just say, um, on behalf of fellow pastors, show your pastor some grace and, and understand that he and his family have not only been leading through this season, but they've been, they've been experiencing it too. Uh, just, you know, and, you know, I know we've talked about this before, just because, just because you're a pastor or in a ministerial family does not remove you from all the normal pressures and rigors of life. If anything, now you are in a very real way sharing in those stressors and uh, stories and difficulties you're sharing in others lives at the same time. And so not only you, are you navigating sort of your own mess, you're having to navigate the mess of everybody else's life. Uh, And, and I don't, I don't mean that I'm not saying that from some sort of martyr complex, but I am saying that is, that is a burden and granted it, it is a, it is a, a burden that when you go into the ministry, you understand it's a burden. You understand it's a sacrifice. And I'm not saying uh, anybody should be unwilling to make that sacrifice. That's that's part of it. But at the same time, um, we, are, we are human. Um, going back to James, one of my favorite books in the New Testament, when James writes that Elijah was a man just like us. Mm. And I think um, sometimes we look at those, those biblical heroes as more than just human. Now, granted, I understand Jesus would fall into that category, but everyone else, when we, we look at them, I think we can elevate them way beyond humanity. And I think if we aren't careful, we we act as though um, the pastor should should um, never get tired, never get weary. Yeah. Um, he should just be a superhuman, and um, and you know, at the same time, not we we can also if we think that way, we will also approach him with less grace. Yeah. Because we we won't allow we won't allow him to hurt or grieve or or deal with hard things yeah. and so um i would say those three things i would say if you're going to pray for your pastor uh, not only in 2020 not only during the pandemic but in the days to come um pray for his wisdom pray for his endurance and his family's endurance and pray that he would not only show grace, but he would receive grace from others. 
yeah. uh, just as we've received grace from God himself. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Okay, so the last question, and you know this, that I ask each guest that comes on the show. <laughs> it's my favorite question, and so I'm excited to ask you. And that's, what do you think is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Okay, and in in the in the um, in the interest of transparency, yes, uh, I knew that this question was coming, <laughs> so I was able to think about this because I know that is the one question that you that you always ask. So there are two things that I would say that are the the best pieces of advice that I've ever been given. One was given to me by a mentor of mine. And he said, I remember he, he said, if you want to, to be a success in ministry, and if you want to grow, and if you want to experience all that God has, he said, stay in God's word and pray, develop a deep prayer life. Mm. And, and that prayer life with God. And I know that, that that's such a, as, as in churches we refer to as the Sunday school answer, you know, sure. we just need to read a Bible more and we just need to pray more. <laughs> and, but, but in a very real way, we, we throw that out, but we really, we don't do it. You know, people will always say, I mean, I, I mean, come on, let's just think about it. One of the number one things that people talk about within the church, probably after get in shape, lose weight for a New Year's resolution is I'm going to read my Bible more. Yeah. And, but we don't, um, we, we really don't, but delving into God's word and developing um, a vibrant prayer life. And, and I know that sounds so simple, but that, that has that has come to the surface so many times again and again and again as essential to, to growing in Christ. The other one, the other piece of advice that, that I think about a great deal was given to me by another mentor of mine. And when it was, he was actually the pastor that was the counseling pastor that I first served under at uh, the church in Tennessee. He, when he was getting ready to leave the church to start his own practice, he gave me an envelope and inside that envelope was a five or six page letter that he had written out to me. And it was advice about following Christ and doing ministry. And I, when he left, I got his desk mm. and I put that letter in the, the pencil drawer of that desk and it, it lay there in that desk. And when I left Tennessee, I brought that letter with me. And the first thing I did when I got a desk, my new desk in my office as a, a staff member here at our church, I put that letter into that drawer. And then when I became lead pastor and moved to a 
the other office to the lead pastor office, the first thing I did, the first thing that went into that desk was that letter. And it's there now. And one of the things that he said in there that stuck out to me was that there will be times that you must dig out again. And he had told the story in the letter of one of the guys who was building the Panama Canal. And he was really far along. His crews had had dug out so much of the canal and there was an earthquake. And the earthquake caused a great deal of the rubble and uh, a lot of the banks of the canal to collapse on themselves. And it filled a massive area back in. And as he stood there looking out over this area that just earlier was beginning to take shape as a canal, he's now looking at, at all of this work that has been undone. And there was a newspaper reporter standing there and he asked him, what are you going to do? And the man responded, what am I going to do? I'm going to dig it out again. And my mentor wrote, there will be times in your life that you're going to have to dig it out again. You're going to have to, you're going to have to dig and you're going to have to dig and, and re-dig and reclaim that sense of wonder, uh, that sense of wonder of doing ministry, that sense of wonder uh, of just the miracles of life. There are going to be times that those things are going to get covered over with a lot of dirt. They make it covered over in the middle of a crisis. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to reclaim that wonder. You're going to have to, you're going to have to reclaim that, that fresh idea of, of God's divine call on your life. You're, you'll have to, you'll have to reclaim some wounded parts of your life and you'll have to dig through the rubble and, and let God clean it all off again. And he said, but don't be afraid to get in into the midst of it and dig it out again. And that sounds that that can sound really negative, but, but there's an element of, of comfort in that, that that's okay. That, that sometimes we have setbacks and sometimes there's difficulty and sometimes things get messy and unexpected events occur. And you have to be able to say, when asked, what am I going to do? You have to be able to say, what am I going to do? I'm going to dig it out again. Mm-hmm. And, and I know we rely upon God to, to give us that endurance and that comfort. And, um, but sometimes we have to, we have to get our hands dirty yeah. to do what he's called us to do. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. Okay, so tell everybody where they can um, connect with you online, where they can go read a lot of your work. So what people don't know and we haven't talked about is you have a blog and you are a writer and you're a pretty incredible writer. At least well, I think so because I'm you may biased. be biased, <laughs> but I'm not biased at all. So tell them where they can access your blog and all that. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm on Instagram, um, at Dustin C. George. If you, uh, if you visit there, you'll, you'll find, uh, photos of us, um, photos of Jasper, the, uh, the regal 
wonder dog mm -hmm. that we have and um, other little ramblings from day-to-day -day life. But um, some of the things that I've written, you can find them at my website. It's Dustin C. George, all one word, DustinCGeorge.com. And you can go there and uh, the 90 days of prayer that I mentioned earlier, uh, I did uh, a blog post every day uh, with the, the 90 days of prayer on there. And so um, if you're interested in that, if you're, if you want to read something more than that, you might have to scroll a little bit because <laughs> there are 90 injuries, entries there and you have to, you'll have to scroll through all of those. And then there's also over on Apple Podcasts, if you want to search Absolutely. Baptist Church, I would assume that would take you straight to the church's podcast. Absolutely. Then. It's probably the easiest yeah. way to do that. Easiest way to do that is to, to search for East Haven Baptist Church and uh, subscribe to our podcast. So we would love if you did that. Awesome. Well, I know this has been not only a conversation to encourage pastors and hopefully help them feel heard in this season, but also just encourage people um, to pray for their pastor and to love them well during the season. So I love you and thank you for joining me I love you too. Today. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast.